Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Shell Shock, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports Page and Doghouse from Federal Baseball on the line. Coming to you after a 10-3 shellacking at the hands of the Milwaukee Brewers in the series opener in Nationals Park. And Dave will start with Gio Gonzalez on the mound. Coming off a rough two and two-third inning start in AT&T Park in which he gave up five hits, two walks, six runs before he was out of there. Back home in the nation's capital, though, where he's five and one and nine starts before tonight. Two six zero ERA, two nine one FIP, two fifty two, three sixteen, three thirty three line against, and fifty five and a third innings pitch in Nationals Park. Doesn't go well though. Infield single by John Segura, stolen base, a liner to the left by Lucroy that worth misjudges. Uh, let the run in, a pass ball, sack fly to score Lucroy two nothing at that point. Single off Geo, another liner over worth head, sack fly three one in the fifth. A two-run home run by Domingo Santana, 5-1 at that point, 94 pitches in five innings before he's out of there. Just not a good start from Gio Gonzalez. The defense didn't help him at all either. We'll get to Jason Worth a little later in there, but start with Gio Gonzalez on the mound. Five hits, eight, uh, five innings, eight hits, five runs, four earned, two walks, five Ks on the day. Yeah, Gio wasn't particularly sharp, um, but he wasn't particularly that bad either. I mean, um, he was really let down by his defense. Just about every time the, the Brewers scored against him, uh, it was a direct result of either a poor defensive play or a poor defensive play setting up a home run. Um, he got hit on the foot and really wasn't the same guy after he got hit with the liner uh, either, so that complicated things. Um, it, it just seems like everything the Nets touch right now um, you know, turns to dust. It's just... Uh, a, a very uh, bad, bad vibe going around this team. Um, you know, they, they had to fly overnight from, from Denver. Uh, you heard the TV guys harp about it. You heard the radio hyper harp about it. They didn't get in until like 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. And obviously, uh, you know, that adds to their listlessness. If you want to, um, if you want to, you know, give the Nats a hard time about uh, not being full of energy and pep and, I think a lot of that is uh, uh, more attributed to bad play uh, with people trying to find a reason for bad play other than just bad talent. Um, but if you, if you are of the ilk that want to attribute something to poor play to something other than being the poor talent, um, you can certainly add that on as well. So a lot of factors conspired against Gio tonight. Um, he wasn't very good, but I didn't think he was all that bad either. So we saw two plays in left field where Jason Worth kind of misjudged line drives out there. I know if you are in the 300 where you usually are, you have a good vantage point of what's going on out there with him. Not the first time we've seen it either. Uh, it's clearly We thought he lost a step in right field. We talked about that all of the last two years, but hasn't looked too good out in left field since he came back either. And getting to the point where some of that internet scuttlebutt about whether or not he's going to keep playing on an everyday basis when, when slash if the Nards band gets back or whether they're going to start working Michael Taylor in there more the way worth been going so far this year is taking on a little more seriousness than it might have a couple of weeks back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I got to say the, the misplays that we've seen so far this year have been the sort of, He's not quite getting there, you know, clearly lost his step, not as fast as he used to be. But tonight, this was a straight-up rookie miss. Uh, When that double, and I'm making quotation marks with my fingers there, got hit over his head 
I saw him take a step in, and I actually like gave him a funny look from my spot in the stands, and I'm thinking, what does he see that I don't see? Shouldn't he be going back? And then after a step in and a pause, then he starts going back, and the ball's like a foot over his glove. What's going on, Jason? You've been playing in the outfield for a long time. Don't tell me the spin was funny, and it's weird because you're in left field and you're not used to seeing the ball go that way. It was hit right at you. Balls get hit right at you in right field, too. You should know whether to go in or go back from that. I understand. Balls hit right at you. Tricky play. Hardest to judge for an outfielder. But come on, man. That was just that, – that was some sorry stuff. Uh, yeah, this, this disappointing. D- defensively, certainly there's no reason for him to be playing in the outfield when Denard's band comes back. It, arguably, there's no reason for – you know, Clint Robinson do have ever been playing in the outfield either, but you know we're we're kind of stuck with the team we have, and now with our our glut of infielders, uh, you know, I, who, who are we gonna? I guess we're gonna have to put Fister out in the outfield now. That's that's what it's coming to. <laughs> Dave, uh, the Brewers broadcasters were also killing Worth for uh, not running out of fly ball to right. Uh, Ryan Braun ended up losing in the lights or the sky, whatever he lost it in. I assume it was the lights, but Jason Worth could have possibly been on second on that one, in their opinion, and uh, ended up on first, ended up getting stranded. Oh, he got caught stealing, actually, and then Rendon lined out the end of the inning. But between that and the two plays he misjudged in uh, left field, uh, what are your thoughts on that going forward and whether or not we might actually see Michael Taylor out there more often than not or at least part-time out there with Worth when Denard's fan and I have to put the slash if again comes back. Well, I certainly think that that's still a big yes. Um, I, I think Fan will be on the active roster at some point, but I don't think the Nats can count on him playing every day. Um, you know, this is a, a thing where we've seen his this back problem flare up a couple of different times, and it comes from playing multiple days in a row. So I don't think even if Fan does return to the roster that we're going to be able to, to, to rely on him to play every day. So this might be arguing about semantics anyway, but here's the bottom line that we need to get to. Um, Jason Worth has two years on his contract after this year is complete. Um, we've already seen that, that he is not going to be um, major league caliber uh, fielder. Um, he has drawn a few more walks here of late, but obviously he has not gotten, quote, his groove uh, back at the plate. And, and with the, the, the compilation of, of wrist injuries that he's had now, uh, it's hard to imagine him ever returning to that 20 home run power um, that he had, you know, when, when he was in his prime. So uh, the Nets are really stuck in a, in, a, in a quandary here because obviously. Rizzo showed his mindset on this at the trading deadline by not going out and getting a bat. He assumed that when Rizzo and Zimmerman um, came back off the disabled list that they would be the same players, that the Nets didn't need a bat at at the trading deadline. He assumed Jason Worth was going to be the left fielder and be a productive left fielder, and that has not been the case. Now, the problem going forward is if Rizzo thinks an off-season of rest and Jason Worth's going to be able to return to being a productive offensive and defensive left fielder, um, as to whether he will go out and, and find some help in, in this offense. The Nets owe him an awful lot of money, and if he's not starting in left field, uh, it's a huge, huge problem, and, and, um, and it complicates Rizzo's decision-making factor in that. 
Doghouse, they're going up against Jimmy Nelson tonight, second time they saw him this year, 2010 Brewers second-round pick, the top prospect in the organization going into the 2014 season, gave up 10 hits, 7 runs, and 5 innings when the Nationals faced him in Miller Park back in June, a 2.52 ERA, 2.32, line, and 71 in the third innings pitch, that, uh, pitch since they last saw him. A six-start unbeaten streak going into tonight. He had a 199 ERA, a 199, 272, 288 line, and 40 and two-thirds over that stretch. The Nats scored one in the first. Ian Desmond walked, stole a base, and scored on a Lobaton bloop single to left. Uh, that and a Bryce Harper home run, number 31 of the year, on a first-pitch fastball in the sixth are all they got off him tonight. Five and a third, five hits, two runs, two earned runs, two walks, four Ks, one home run allowed. Ended up throwing 102 pitches in five and a third, so not exactly efficient. The Nationals were working some counts nicely, but didn't get all that much off them in the end. Yeah, I, I was going to do a rant about some guy I'd never heard of, except I actually saw an article about Fangraphs on him today about how he was emerging as their new ace. So if you want to get jinxed by the Internet, there you go. <laughs> But uh, he, he he threw hard. He had a good slider uh, working today. And, you know, the Nats just couldn't put it together against him. I was kind of hopeful that, uh, you know, because they were driving his pitch count up and they got him out in the sixth, that uh, maybe they'd be able to put something together against the Milwaukee bullpen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, fine. Another team has a nice young pitcher. Good for them. <laughs> Unfortunately, Milwaukee Brewers bullpen is one of their strengths. But Dave, uh, Jimmy Nelson tonight, a few of the Rockies pitchers. We saw uh, Johan Fonde the night before. Uh, Giants pitchers during that series, Kershaw and Greinke out there. At some point, we have to just start thinking it's not all of these people being great pitchers, but more than that, offense just not being able to put much together, not being able to string hits together, and a bunch of people in the lineup who just are underperforming this season more than anything else. You know, it, it's amazing that this Nats team is sixth in the National League in runs scored. Um, you know, you look at those statistics and they think, well, geez, the Nats offense isn't that bad. But it, it's built around the solo home run. I mean, uh, James Wagner from the Post had a really interesting stat. I'm going to mangle it because I don't have it in front of me here. Um, but I think he said something like 23 of Bryce Harper's 31 home runs have been solo home runs, and he's hit third or fourth in the order all year long. Um, this team struggles to score runs when Denard, Hart, Denard Spann's not in the lineup, um, which which leads me to, 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 to worry about the health of this franchise when they will not resign Denard Spann for next season, um, where those base runners are going to come uh, for Bryce Harper to not hit so many dang solo home runs. I mean, um, you know, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on, on this show, that the Nats' offense is predicated on the home run. They're a free-swinging group. Um, only only Bryce Harper and Denard Spann have decent on-base skills at this point. So, um, you know, they're the ones that, that, are begin, that are getting on base, and Harper's the one that's theoretically supposed to drive them in. So when they are hitting home runs and they, and they um, you know, have the occasion to have a guy on base, that's when they're going to put up five, six, seven runs at, at a night. But that's just not how this team is built right now. And when they're not um, hitting a lot of home runs, they're not scoring a lot of runs. And um, and we saw that tonight. You know, it was nice that Desmond was able to draw the walk, steal the base, and score on a broken bat single. But that was the extent of your offense, other than Bryce Harper's one one blast. Bryce Harper and Michael A. Taylor. 
<laughs> Michael A. Taylor got one later, but not until after the top of the seventh inning doghouse when Doug Fister came on, walked to Ryan Braun, Adam Lynn single, Chris Davis single, all of a sudden the bases are loaded. He gets a swinging K from Domingo Santana, but then a grounder back to the mound by Scooter Jeanette, bounces off Fister's glove, run scores on that. Uh, Hannah Roark comes on. Ilian Herrera singles to right. Two runs, uh, one run scores there, I should say. Shane Peterson catcher's interference with the bases loaded. Another run scores there. Jean Segura sack fly to right. One run scores on the sack fly. Another run scores on a throwing error by Harper when it bounces by the plate and the back up behind the plate and bounces off the brick wall and goes rolling around and back there. Just really clown time at that point and just everything that could go wrong for the Nationals going wrong. The Brewers put up a five spot in there before Michael Taylor got his little home run at the end there to make it a 10-3 game at that point, but that was just an ugly inning all around for the Nationals. Boy, I, I mean, you, you want to you sum up this game. What more do you need to say than a run forced in by catcher interference? You know, <laughs> what, what more can you say? Two run sack fly. That's what you can say. Uh, uh, this this was about about as painful an inning, I think, as we've seen all season. Uh, you know, it, it's it's one thing when the pitcher just goes out there and is struggling and it's bad and it's giving up hit after hit and walking people, but when it's just clowny nonsense like this, oh my gosh, so frustrating. I, I was. I, I was starting to get mean when I was yelling stuff up up in the the 300 section today. It was, it was, uh, it was some prime 2009 fan input today. <laughs> Dave, I know you're running around a bit, so I'm not sure if you saw you know Escobar injure himself early in the game, tracking a foul pop over towards the stands and uh, on the left field line down the third base line. He kind of stumbled going towards the wall. His bottom half hit the wall. His lower half went forward and kind of went headfirst into a fan who was reaching out to try to catch the ball. Matt Williams said after the game, he's day-to-day. He hyper-extended his neck. As he went to reach for it, he kind of leaned over with his upper body. Fence caught him at the waist, and he hyper-extended his neck. So we'll see how he is tomorrow. But day-to-day for now, this is just, you know, maybe this gives a – opportunity for Trey Turner to get in the starting lineup, which will please a lot of people, but missing UNL Escobar in order to make that happen is not good. No, and, and that was a pretty uh, ugly-looking play there, and, and hopefully Escobar's not hurt for uh, an extended period. But he, it sure seems like that guy gets nicked up a lot. Um, uh, not to not to, to be a negative Nancy to him, because I don't know where the Nats would be without his production this season, but um, it just seems like like every week something pops up where where he has to miss a game or two, and um, it's just unfortunate that, that in his uh, resurgent season this year that it just keeps getting marred by um, by silly little mixed up injuries that type of thing. But um, but to go back to, to to the previous question and and, and Doghouse's input about uh, about the clowny defense, I mean it, it wasn't just in that inning. I mean Anthony Rendon had a couple of balls that, that he couldn't get to. Um, you know, you mentioned the catcher's interference. I mean, this team right now um, isn't doing the things that, that, that they can to help themselves win. The, their defense isn't very good. Uh, their base running isn't very good. Jason Worth got thrown out trying to steal uh, after they got they, that, that gift of the, the lost pop-up. Um, you know, the, the starting pitching is struggling. The bullpen uh, gives up runs when, when it's either trying to protect a lead or trying to get back into the game. Um, you know, the, the offense can't get enough guys on base in front of Bryce Harper's home runs. Um, you know, and, and, and we've gone 
17 or 18 minutes now talking about this game, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that Matt Williams sent up a starting pitcher to pinch hit. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that, and I'll continue to and try to avoid that, what you got it in there, because uh, I want to spend the last minute or two here. Sorry to keep you guys on longer, but you can't not talk about Trey Turner getting called up today. 322, 370, 458 line across double A in the Padres and national system, triple A with the nationals, 24 doubles, seven triples, eight home runs, 29 stolen bases before they brought him up today. Tyler Moore goes on the CL. Uh, Mike Rizzo talking to reporters beforehand said we felt it was, he was going to be a September call up anyway, so we felt that maybe this is the time to inject a little more speed, youth, and athleticism into the club. Felt it was an opportune time to take advantage of some of his skills. He also went on to say he's gone through a lot of trials and tribulations this year. With that said, he takes a while to warm up at each level, so we're not expecting him to be the savior of the offense or savior of the ball club. We just want him to do what he does best and add his skill set to Matt Williams' arsenal of tools. So, guys, what do you think about the move to bring him up here? I know it was, I kind of wrote an article the other day about how this is trending towards, from what we've seen in the past, him coming up once they moved him over to second to get him some work there. That's usually the last sign we've seen with the likes of Danny Espinosa and Anthony Rendon previously when they called those two guys up for their major league debuts. But what do you think of them bringing Trey Turner up here and trying to inject a little youth and speed into the lineup? Well, that's that's fine, I guess. Uh, I, I said before, <laughs> if he comes up before September, it's a panic move. I, I think it's a panic move. Uh, certainly, in the in the robust discussion we had on the site today, people were saying maybe it's time for a panic move, uh, given the state of the team. That's that's probably true. Uh, if you're going to panic, now's the time for it. I'm not sure what you will solve with the panic move, but. But for heaven's sake, let's let's burn those option years and let's get that service clock going because we need to pay him for being a super two and we got to make sure that we are less competitive in, oh, I don't know, the math, 2020 or whenever it is that he's going to become a free agent early. Get it all in there because it'll be worth it when we only miss the playoffs by 10 games instead of nine. Dave, the minor league season's just about wrapping up, so he wasn't going to be playing much longer down there anyway. September call-ups are a couple weeks away, so he'd probably come up at that point, like Rizzo said. But now that he's up, where does Trey Turner play on this team? Are they going to sit Rendon? Are they going to sit Espinosa and play him at second? I don't think there's any chance they're going to sit Ian Desmond the way he's going and play him at short. He was working out at second base today when he got up to the Nationals. What do you think the future holds for Trey Turner? I think the immediate future... Uh, is going to have him sitting on the bench an awful lot. Um, you're right. They're not going to bench Ian Desmond. Uh, they're not going to bench Jessica Guevara unless he's hurt. Um, you know, they, they can't bench Anthony Rendon unless unless he's hurt and injured again. Um, you know, this team already has a backup shortstop that is sitting on the bench ever since Anthony Rendon came back. Um, and, 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 by the way, even though he's only he's only had a 104 runs created, um, Hey, that that that's good for third on the team. And I'm speaking, of course, of, of Danny Espinosa, our 247 hitter with 13 home runs. Um, you know, is, is our third is Nat's third best offensive option at this point, and he's been on the bench for the last three weeks. So I don't know where Trey Turner is going to play. Obviously, um, Williams double switched uh, Desmond out of the game tonight, and, and Turner got a couple of innings at shortstop, which is great. But I think. Uh, Turner's going to be sitting on the bench an awful lot and getting a pinch hit uh, shot, pinch running there. Uh, the problem is that the Nats are carrying two 15-game um, losers in the bullpen uh, as long men, mop-up men, um, instead of having a full five-man bench. And, and 
you know, the, the, Matt Williams' hands are going to be tied uh, until rosters expand and you get a few more guys out there. What the Nats really needed um, for a shot in the arm was an outfielder that, that can hit and field his position, but there aren't any of those in the system ready to come up. No, and it's going to be interesting to watch them burn time on his clock, uh, sitting him on the bench and using him in pinch hit and pinch run opportunities, like they mentioned today, if that's what they end up doing. So I'm uh, happy to see him up. Not sure about the decision to do so, but I'll be happy to see him out there and play and get a good first-hand look at him after reading and hearing about him all the time before now. So we'll see what the future holds. 60-61 and 61 after tonight's deflating 10-3 to 3 loss to the Brewers. Two more with Milwaukee coming up the next two days. Matt's Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. Dave, you don't have to say free Trey Turner anymore. At least there's that. <laughs> Good night. Go on, Matt. <laughs> that was the saddest one ever. <laughs>